Have you ever wondered why exactly it is that things usually sound better at home than they do on stage, in auditions, or even in lessons? It's easy to chalk it up to nerves or assume that you just have to practice more or get more performance experience. And sure, those things certainly are part of the puzzle, but a lot of times that's not really the true root cause. If you've been confused by the inconsistency of your performances, I put together a free four-minute quiz called the Mental Skills Audit, which will help you pinpoint your mental strengths and weaknesses and figure out what exactly to adjust and tweak in your preparation for more consistently optimal performances. You can take the Mental Skills Audit online at bulletproofmusician.com MSA. That's MSA for Mental Skills Audit. And again, it's 100% free, and it'll take just four minutes to get your results emailed to you as a PDF. This is Noah Kageyama, and you're listening to the Bulletproof Musician Podcast. Every Sunday morning, we'll take a look at a new research-based tip or technique to help you practice more effectively or perform better under pressure. And on the first Sunday of every month, I'll have a guest from the music, sport, or research world who will share their insights on how we can all be a little more awesome in the practice room and on stage. Getting into the character of a piece right from the first note can sometimes be a challenge when there's no long orchestral duty to help set the mood. Or if you have to switch from one orchestral excerpt to another in an audition where it's all on you. Musicians have been known to write keywords or phrases at the top of excerpts, which seems like a pretty handy way to remind ourselves what we want to say with a piece instead of blanking out and giving a generic, uninspired performance. But does this really work? As in, do these trigger words actually translate into changes in one's performance that are audible to a listener? In a 2012 study, 155 junior high choir members were randomly assigned to receive either a short training on using trigger words, the experimental group, or participate in a regular choral rehearsal, the control group. Everyone started out by recording a short solo performance of Happy Birthday to get a baseline of their performing ability. Here are the specific instructions they were given. In a moment, you'll perform Happy Birthday twice in a row. You may start on any pitch you wish. Sing it as musically as you can. As soon as you're ready, step to the black tape, wait for my signal, and then begin. Once their performance was recorded, students in the experimental group attended a 40-minute training session while those in the control group went to choral rehearsal. Students in the training were given a set of three trigger words to help them achieve a more optimal mindset before performing. The three words were bold, to represent the willingness to take decisive and immediate action, confident, to increase hope in his or her ability to execute skills necessary for the desired outcome, and free, to represent performing in a way that's unrestrained by fear, inhibitions, or concern about the outcome. This mantra of bold, confident, and free was then integrated into a simple pre-performance routine, consisting of one, taking a deep, full breath, and as he exhaled, silently saying, let it go, and two, taking in two or three more easy breaths as they silently repeated the phrase bold, confident, and free, again to themselves in their head. After practicing this a bit, the students were randomly divided into small groups of five to six, so that way they could practice using this new technique in a series of increasingly more realistic exercises. 
In the first exercise, they created and performed a short group composition with handheld percussion instruments. After the initial performance, they were asked to repeat the performance, but with the addition of their pre-performance routine. They were also asked to experiment with different trigger words, like timid, scared, and outrageous, to feel how different words might change their mindset and experience of performing. In the second exercise, the groups experimented with their new pre-performance routines by integrating them into a vocal performance of Mary Had a Little Lamb. And in the third exercise, they practiced using their routine and mantra in a solo performance of Old MacDonald Had a Farm. After the training session was complete, the students in the experimental group were tested once again with a second performance of Happy Birthday on camera. Likewise, students in the control group were excused from choral rehearsal and returned to the testing rooms to give a repeat performance of Happy Birthday for the camera. And to see how permanent any changes in performance might be, two weeks later, everyone returned to give a third and final performance of Happy Birthday. The musicality and expressiveness of the students' performances were determined by two high school choral teachers who served as judges watching each video, which were all mixed up and out of order, of course, and evaluating them with the Expressive Performance Achievement Measure. This is a 19-item assessment that provides expressiveness scores related to dynamics, tone quality, timing, and so on. There wasn't perfect agreement between the two judges, of course, but inter-rater reliability was 0.75, which is pretty good, meaning the judges were mostly on the same page in their evaluations, even if they didn't agree 100%. So how helpful was this mantra? Well, everyone's first happy birthday performances were all rated at about the same level of expressiveness. 52.53 for the control group, and 51.75 for the experimental group. But on the second performance, things had changed, and there was a significant difference in expressiveness between the two groups. The control group's second happy birthday performance, right after choir practice, was slightly more expressive, at 55.05, or an increase of 2.5 points or so. However, this was just below the cutoff for statistical significance, so there is a chance that this doesn't represent a true improvement in performance. Meanwhile, the experimental group's second happy birthday performance improved by 8.015 points to a score of 59.77. This increase was statistically significant and represented a significant improvement over their first performance on all measures, from articulation to dynamics to performance factors like facial expressions and visual cues to timing and tone. When everyone was tested two weeks later, the effect of the cue words kind of disappeared and the groups performed about the same again. Which at first might seem a little odd, but the researchers acknowledged that this could be because of their age, as when they did the same study with a group of adult singers, this effect remained even at the two-week follow-up. My guess is that since the students didn't probably think much about their pre-performance routine over the two-week break, most likely forgot to use it in their final happy birthday performance. Before we get into the takeaways and action points of the study, there are a couple caveats. Given that breathing is often an important part of effective pre-performance routines, it is possible that it wasn't just the cue words, but also the breathing element that helped free the students up to sing more expressively. And it's possible that the experience of performing for each other in small groups could have helped to reduce their expressive inhibitions more effectively than singing in larger group rehearsals as well. That said, 
keywords have been studied in sports settings and are commonly used as part of pre-performance routines and as in-game concentration and motivational strategies, so the trigger words likely did have some meaningful effect as well. So what's the main takeaway? Well, especially given that these were relatively young students, most of whom had less than a year of vocal experience, the main takeaway for me is that we are innately capable of performing more musically than we often show. That we have the instincts and technical skills necessary to perform in more compelling ways, but tend to hold back, particularly in performance settings, though likely in the practice room too. So it's pretty cool that a simple set of keywords, in the absence of much extra practice, can help to unlock some of our expressive potential. Try experimenting with the mantra used in this study in your daily run-through this week. And for fun, maybe give the anti-expressive mantra a try too. See if it feels different. And more importantly, make sure you're taping yourself, ideally with video, so you can see if the performances sound or look different too. And then experiment with different mantras, ones that might be more personally meaningful to you, or more relevant to the mood, character, or even technical demands of each piece or excerpt on your list. And make sure to get in the habit of using these anytime you do a run-through, so that when it's time to use them in an actual performance, this all feels natural and automatic. You can find links to this week's study and other resources like practice hacks and the audition cheat sheet at bulletproofmusician.com slash blog. And if you found the episode helpful, please share it with a friend or practice buddy who you think might also enjoy experimenting with this during the coming week. <laughs> <laughs>